I want you to look here in 1 Samuel 4. I'm not reading many verses as I have in the previous services. But I want you to look in verse number 10 of 1 Samuel chapter number 4. The Bible says, And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten. Let me stop just a minute for our new converts. The Philistines are always the enemies of God. They're always a picture of the world, the picture of the flesh, the picture of the devil. That's what the Philistines are. And they're not joining hands with God's people. They're fighting God's people. Then the Philistines fought. If you notice verse 10, And Israel was smitten, and they fled every man into his tent. And there was a great slaughter, for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. I'll make some more comments in a minute, but I want you to look in chapter 7. Look with me, please. Some of you are already there. I'm using verse number 11, and then we'll spend most of our time in chapter 7 tonight. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 7, and in verse number 11, And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah, and pursued the Philistines, and smote them, and they came under beth Car. Let us pray. Father, it is a joy to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I've been blessed by the congregation singing, by the special with Lily and her instructor. Thank you, Lord, for the Perkins tonight. I thank you for the happy spirit among your people. Lord, it's good to go to church and see this much interest in a day when it seems so many are losing interest in the house of God. Father, here tonight for a little bit, I pray you'll help us pull our attention, Lord, right where you want it to be. And Lord, we'll give you the praise, the honor and glory, for it is in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, amen. If you've not been with us, when you get home, if you'd read slowly and carefully 1 Samuel chapter number 4, you'll almost lose your breath as you see the great defeat and the great slaughter of God's people. In this chapter I've pointed out there was one place 4,000 of God's people are slain. Another place in this text, 30,000 were slain. We saw in chapter 4, the priest's sons, Eli's boys, Hophni and Phinehas were slain. When Eli heard all this news, he was old, he fell backwards, he broke his neck, and he died in this chapter. Then to top all that off, his daughter-in-law went into labor giving birth and she died giving birth to Ichabod. Friend, it's a chapter of tragedy. It's a chapter of being absolutely wiped out. In verse number 10, the Bible said they were smitten. 
The Bible said they were running from the enemy. They were running for their lives. But I'm so amazed at what happens in chapter 7 and verse 11. I want you to look at that one more time. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came unto beth Car. Here in chapter 4 and in verse number 10, God's people are running from the enemy. Can you see that crystal clear? God's people are running from the enemy, but something's done happened in chapter 7. Now the enemy is running from God's people. I don't know about you, but that's a big turnaround. Think about all the funerals. Think about all the sadness and sorrow of chapter 4. And if there's ever been a chapter that looks like it's hopeless... 1 Samuel chapter 4 is that chapter. But I'm glad when things look hopeless and it looks like hope is all gone, I'm here to tell you ladies and gentlemen that help is on the way. Now if you're a thinker like I am, all I can think about Brother Perkins is how did this happen? How can they in one chapter be running from the enemy, getting beat up, beat down, getting wiped out by the enemy, and now just a little while later, they're chasing that same enemy, and look who's whipping who. I believe God's people spoke up and said, we've been beat up too long. We've been beat down too long. We've been chased. We've been defeated. Our hearts have been broken. We've wept at the graveside but it's time to turn this around and praise God folks it got turned around I'm trying to preach a little bit on what happened something happened and I'm using this subject on this little series putting the enemy on the run how do you put the enemy on the run when you're beat down and you're defeated yourself Your breath is almost gone. How in the world could you ever put the enemy on the run? That's a good question. In chapter 7 we began in verse number 2. The Bible says in the last part of verse 2 that the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. That's where it started. The people were lamenting. That is, Brother James, they were crying out to God from the depths of our soul. This week here on the side of the road, Miller Chapel Road, I have heard some folks crying out on these altars. I'm talking about with passion and with emotion and that deep cry from the soul. If we're going to put the enemy on the run, we've got to quit crying out to the government and crying out to politicians, crying out to family. We've got to cry out to somebody that can do something about it. 
And aren't you glad tonight that we serve a God that hears and answers our prayers? Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me, I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knewest not. As we cry out from our soul tonight, that's the first stage in putting the enemy on the run. Is that clear to you from the Bible? And then verse 3 and 4, I won't read it all, but there was not only people lamenting, but we learned last night there was a preacher preaching. And I'm going to tell you something, friends. That word preach is not an ugly word. It's not a word to use in a negative context as a cliché. Somebody would get on to somebody about something and they'd be quick to say, don't preach to me. They're making preach to be a bad thing. But I'm telling you, it's not a bad thing. And God hath chosen the foolishness of preaching uh, to save them that believe. I still believe 1 Corinthians 1.18 for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness but unto us which are saved it's the power of God. We don't need less preaching. We don't need another plan, another method or another idea. That's God's plan. That's God's design. And I say preaching still works and it called the people to put away their strange gods and to serve the Lord wholeheartedly. You'd be amazed at what some wholehearted dedication would do to this church or any church that's represented. I'm still in review mode, but I'm having a good time at it. All these visitors are making me want to start all over. But tonight we're going to move on. Not only were people lamenting, that was the first step. Not only was there a preacher preaching, Samuel told them what they're going to have to do. If you're going to whip the Philistines, you're going to have to turn your heart back to God. Not 90%, not 80%, 100% back to God. Well, i got to move. I can't wait to get to this next one. I'm just reading you the Bible. But look in verse number 5. You do love the Bible, don't you? Look at what it says in verse 5. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel, not some of them, not part of them, but gather all of them. How many of you know that God's interested in all? I believe He came to seek and to save that which was lost. I'm glad there's a whosoever gospel for all of us. I needed Christ. You needed Christ. It don't matter what color you are. It don't matter where you come from. It don't matter how much money you got or don't have. I'm here to tell you the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And I'm so glad that God still calls all men. Thank God He's still calling all. But I'm not preaching there. But look in verse 5. And Samuel said, gather all Israel. Now look at this place. He's gathering them. Do you see it? To Mizpah. Will you say that with me? Mizpah. 
that's important. I want you to look on with me in verse number 5. And the Bible said to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And look in verse 6. And they gathered together. And they gathered together to Mizpah. Will you say it with me again? Mizpah. Mizpah must be important. Look what happens at Mizpah. And there they drew water. Boy, I like that. And then let me read on. And poured it out before the Lord. And fasted on that day. And said, There we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel. Will you say it with me? In Mizpah. Now look at our text verse in verse 11. I'm trying to get somewhere. Hang on tight. Buckle up. Look what the Bible says in verse 11. And the men of Israel went out of, say it with me, Mizpah. <laughs> Woo, this must be an important place. Samuel said, y'all got to come together at Mizpah. And look what happened when they left Mizpah. And the Bible says, and pursued the Philistines and smote them. Something done happened at Mizpah. When they got to Mizpah, something happened. They got to draw and water. They got to offering sacrifices. They confessed their sins. But buddy, when they left Mizpah, they're running after the enemy now. I said something done happened at Mizpah. Who wants to know what Mizpah's about? Woo, I thought you wanted to know. Mizpah means a watchtower. Mizpah means the house of God. Oh, aren't you glad tonight? Now, we're not Jehovah's false witness, but I'm telling you, we're sitting in the watchtower tonight. The house of God. This is our Mizpah. And we've all gathered together. There's something about getting together at the house of God with the people of God. Oh, there's just something about it. Some folks you got to twist their arm. Some folks you got to preach to them and fuss at them uh, to get them to go to church. But you're looking at some people tonight that don't feel like they've got to go. They look at it like they get to go. It's a big difference in feeling like you got to go and that you get to go. I'm glad I get to go to the house of God. Oh yeah, <laughs> I love the house of God. There's nothing about this building. It's nice, it's clean, it's well maintained. But there's nothing about this building that would impress the world or let the world want to just come. But I'm going to tell you something. There's something going on in here that has a magnetic attraction uh, to the people of God. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Can I give you some verses about the house of God? David said in Psalm 122 verse 1, I was glad 
He didn't say I was sad. He didn't say I was mad. He didn't say I was bad. He said I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Were you glad tonight when you saw the lights were on and the doors were open and the parking lots overflowed and there's nowhere hardly to find a seat? I tell you, I'm glad to be here. Something's going on at Mizpah. Something's going on at the watchtower. Something's going on at the house of God. Some of you cry babies. We need to get you a pacifier and a diaper. You got your feelings hurt, didn't you? Somebody hurt your feelings at the house of God. But you can go to Walmart and get your feelings hurt and you just keep going back. You can go to the restaurant and get your feelings hurt and you just keep going back. I tell you the reason getting you feeling hurt at the house of God keeps you from the house of God is because you really didn't want to go no way. Oh, I've been hurt at the house of God. But I'm here to tell you I've been helped at the house of God. And I don't go to church with my feelings stuck out six feet in each direction daring somebody to bump into them. I didn't come to get my feelings hurt. I didn't come to get offended. I didn't come to get upset. I came to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm glad all of y'all are here tonight. I know we're all glad we're all here tonight. But the greatest presence in this room, it's not our presence. It's the presence of the Lord. And that's what makes it all worthwhile. Psalm 122 verse 9. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. You know, I learned a lot at the house of God that caused me to leave seeking something good. That's what you call being trained and taught and preached to from the Bible. I'm glad I've learned something at the house of God. I've been taught something at the house of God and it caused me to seek His good. Now some folks you got to drag out Hebrews 10.25 and pull it on them. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now God commanded us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves. Samuel saw a problem. They were not meeting at Mizpah. They had forsaken Mizpah. He said if you're going to put the enemy on the run, you're going to have to stop forsaking the assembling of yourselves because when we come to the house of God, we leave the house of God ready to fight the battle and chase the enemy and then some of you think it's not that bad a deal to miss church (laughs) it's not that big a deal I mean preacher come on can't you find something else to preach about not forsaking that's not a suggestion that's a commandment Sam, that's what God said. We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. 
as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Can anybody see the day approaching? Do you believe the Lord's coming back? What's that verse teaching us? We should have less church or we should have more church? I believe we need more church to help offset some of this wickedness and some of this evil that we have to wade through. Hey, some of you that's been on the public job for many years, you can't believe how bad it's got on the job force. Some of you that are connected to the school system can't believe how bad it's got maybe since you were a child. It was bad when I graduated in 1980. But friend, it's romper room compared to what we got now. We don't need less church. We need more church. I said we need more church, not less. But I know, I know it's not that bad. And, and you know, you leave and say, well, you know, I don't have to go to church to be a great Christian. Well, you've convinced yourself of a lie. Great Christians go to church. Great Christians love the church. Have I done quoted Hebrews 10, 25 three times? Can I get it one more time? Not forsaken. Some of you choking on me. Not forsaken. You got any smelling salts back there, Reed? We may have some passing out. Somebody might need to call 911. That's right. You know, one night in a church, somebody did pass out. They called the emergency squad in and it took them 10 minutes to figure out who the one passed out was because so many were sleeping. Say amen. I tell you, I didn't come to take a nap. I didn't come to get out. I came to get in, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more, not the less, the more as you see the day approaching. Well, it's not that bad, preacher. It's not that bad. You're probably one of those that believe all sins are the same thing. But there is a principle. You can swallow a gnat and strain at a camel. You, you, can, you, can, you can see the moat, the little piece of sawdust in your brother's eye, but you can't see the beam, that big thing. Not all sins have the same percussion. Not all sins have the same judgment. Whoever sold you that sold you a bad bill of goods. But I'm going to tell you how bad missing church is. Are you all ready? Verse 26. I'm trying not to quote Hebrews 10, 25 since I've done quoted it four times. But we better get it number five. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. How many of you say some is? Will you say it with me? Some is. But exhorting one another. That's encouraging one another. Did you know your presence on that pew is an encouragement to somebody else? That's right. I was asking some of the members last night. I don't know if the person's here tonight or not. If they are, I wouldn't embarrass them for nothing. But I've been missing somebody who's always been here when I've been here. And I hadn't seen them. And I sure do miss them. You see, when you are absent, you are letting down somebody. 
When you are absent, you're disappointing somebody. That's why we need to be in our places. And I'm talking about get plugged in and let's exhort one another. You can be faithful. And you can be in your place. And you in your place is a natural encouragement to others. Amen. Am I preaching it right? But I'm trying to get to verse 26 and I've quoted 25 five times. So we're going to get 26 at least one time. But if we sin willfully. <laughs> well, we got quiet on that, didn't you? Y'all said you're a free will Baptist. Well, let's talk about the will a little bit. If we sin willfully. What is the sin in question, missing church? <laughs> do we need to turn to Hebrews 10, 25? Do I need to quote it six times? <laughs> if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no sacrifice for sins. You take that home and chew on it a while. It is bad to miss the house of God. Y'all forgive me sometimes I'm carnal, but there was a man came to me one day. He hit and missed. He barely ever came to church. And, and one day came, to, he always come to the altar, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I kind of got fed up. You ever been like that, Brother Jay? I just got fed up with all this nonsense and fake repentance. And, and y'all forgive me. Well, y'all forgive me for what I told him. He said, Preacher, I asked the Lord to forgive me for missing church. He said, would you forgive me? I said, brother, I'll forgive you, but God won't. And I just walked off. <laughs> Don't get, if we sin willfully. <laughs> oh, I have dug a hole, sure enough. I love church. Y'all will forgive me for something I said 15 years ago, won't you? Glory to God. But I'm probably more right than what you're thinking that I was wrong. It's a big deal to miss church. There's something about the house of God. Now I'm not talking about sick people. Let, let me illustrate a little bit about being sick. I feel like God's letting me be an authority on missing church and being sick. I was laid on the altar at the age of eight days old and given back to God by my godly parents. They're both in heaven now. I think I hear them cheering me on. I think I hear them gouging the Apostle Paul and say, that's our boy. And I can hear Paul say, I know you keep telling me that every night. But I thank God for godly parents. I was raised in church, got saved at a young age, have no regrets for getting saved at a young age. And I've been in church all my life. I guess I could count on one hand the times I missed church in my whole life until August 3rd, 2020 when they rushed me to the hospital with COVID and COVID had caused a bacteria to grow on my heart valves, destroyed my heart valves, put me in AFib, congestive heart failure, 84-day stint in the hospital. They gave me up to die three different times. God had mercy on me, and God let me live. And I tell that as God not nudges me. That's why I tell it. But I come here tonight, I remember 
Brother Jimmy getting out of the hospital, going to home health. They turned my home into a hospital. And they would come see me every day. That went on for about another month. And my question after I got home, when can I go to church? When can I go to church? I hadn't been to church in so long. They said, preacher, you can't go to church yet. You're not ready. But you'll be going soon. Well, I remember when I finally was able to go to church. At that point, I still couldn't drive. At that point, I was wearing these huge diabetic shoes. You couldn't get a shoe, a regular shoe on my foot. I had 30 pounds of fluid on my feet and legs. And I walked with a walker. And I, I couldn't drive. And this is long before y'all came to hear me preach. Jimmy and Teresa, my great friends, came to hear me preach my first time back in the pulpit. I preached maybe 12 or 15 minutes and that was all I could do. That was all I could do. I asked them not record it. I told my boys, don't put it online. Don't, don't want no recording. I said, if I die preaching, I'd rather people not see it and not hear it. I told them that and they honored my request. Well, this is three months before I preached that first sermon. And I remember my wife pulled me up as close to the door as she could. And I couldn't wait. She came over and opened the door and helped me get out with them big old shoes on. All that fluid, my legs felt like they weighed 100 pounds. I looked up at the front door of the church and it looked like 100 miles away. But I said, Lord, help me get there. Help me, Lord. My wife helped me and I walked with that walker. And I finally got to the door and I said, baby, i got to rest a minute. And I rested a minute before we opened the door. I had one of them like he's got that you can sit on. And they opened the door and I walked in. It looked like another hundred miles to the front pew where I was planning on sitting. It took me a long time to get there. But I finally got to my place in the house of God. That's why I don't have a lot of pity and a lot of sympathy for people who let every little thing keep them from the house of God. Oh yeah, I was weak. I was afflicted. Most people thought I sure enough lost my mind. Brother Don shouldn't be trying to get to church. But there's something about the watchtower. There's something about Mizpah. There's something about the house of God. If I can just get to the house of God, I can hear from heaven. If I can just get to the house of God, I can get hope. If I can get to the house of God, I can get some help. I started going back to church. Two or three months later, I preached that first sermon. And I'm just so thankful. And I said all that to say this. Hope I'm not boring you tonight. But I said all that to say this. When, when I was in the hospital, sometimes I didn't know it was Sunday. Sometimes I didn't know. That's how bad I was. But when I knew it was Sunday... I'd have all that mess hooked to me and, and I'd grab my phone and I'd grab a tablet and have one of my sons uh, in one hand and, and the other in the other hand, two different churches going on. Boy, that was special. 
But there ain't nothing like being in church. I could watch one of my sons preaching and watch the other one leading the great choir in two different places. Boy, it was a blessing to see them serve God. But folks, there ain't nothing that'll take the place of being in the house of the Lord. Oh, I see them double doors. I hope this mic works. Does it la- Will it pull out here, Reed? It- okay, it's just recording. Well, I'll leave the door open. But I remember church coming in that door with that walker and making that long trip to the front row. And I was so happy I was so happy about being in the house of the Lord. I'm telling you, I'm still happy about it. I'm really happy about it tonight. You might say, you're still wobbly and you're still weak. I sure am, but I'm at the house of God. I'm at Mizpah. I'm where I get help. Can I give you some things about the house of God? Woo, hallelujah to God. Does anybody here, and I'm going carnal again, pray for me. Does anybody remember a character called Clark Kent? Some of you older folks know him. He was just a wimpy little fella. Didn't look like much to nobody. But you let him get in that phone booth. This is my phone booth. I'm just a wimpy little fella. But if I can get in that phone booth, I'll be unbuttoning my shirt. You'll see a big S on my chest. Isn't it amazing? I'm seeing how old some of y'all are. Y'all ready for another carnal illustration? That's what people love. That's what they understand. Any of you remember... A sailor man named Popeye. Boy, he don't look like much for sure. And that pitiful girlfriend, he's got olive oil. Say amen. Uh, Old Popeye don't look like much, does he? That is until he gets that can of spinach. This is my can of spinach. This is my phone booth. How many of you know the little Energizer Bunny? You ever seen the poor Energizer Bunny when they take out his good batteries and they put in them Dollar General or Dollar Tree generic batteries? Man, he's in slow motion. But I tell you what, when I go to the house of God, it's like getting a fresh batch of Energizer batteries. I'm telling you, I'm ready to roll. There's something about being at the house of God. Do you love the house of God? We'll never put the enemy on the run until we come out of Mizpah, confessing our sins, getting right with God Almighty. There's something about the house of God. I just love the house of God. I travel every week. Most of you know I'm an evangelist. During my illness, I was down for a long time, over a year. And last year, God let me do a full schedule again. 
in 2022. I just want to let the devil's crowd and anybody know that God let me run a full schedule last year. I got a full schedule planned this year unless God interrupts it with something. He's in control. But I'm here to tell you what I hear all over this country, Brother Jimmy. I hear this all over the country. Pastors are broken hearted about the inconsistency and unfaithfulness of the people of God. I hear this all the time, Jake. I can't get to people committed. I can't get to people loyal. I can't get to people interested. Friends, there's a heart problem there. And if we get our hearts thoroughly right with God, nobody will ever have to twist our arm about going to the house of God. Now nobody made me come tonight. I'm glad to be in the service of the Lord and glad to be in the house of God. Now if you're sick, I've done told you that's a different story. Like myself, there was no way I could go to church for nearly a year. But I'm here to tell you, friends, every time I knew it was church time, my heart yearned. I wept. I cried. I wanted to go to church so bad. Oh, I couldn't preach. It wasn't about preaching. I couldn't preach no way. I just wanted to be there. Because there's something about Mizpah. There's something about the watchtower. There's something about the house of God. Woo, can I read you that again? Look at it, Brother Sam. Look in chapter 7 again. I just love this verse 11. And the men of Israel went out of, say it with me, Mizpah. What did they do when they left Mizpah? Pursued the Philistines and smote them. We're not supposed to leave the church dead, defeated. I see some people go to church and they leave in worse shape than when they got there. We're supposed to be energized. We're supposed to be supercharged. We're supposed to be chasing the enemy when we leave the house of God. I wonder how many high dollar telephones we got in this room. I'm telling you, you'd be amazed at the thousands of dollars of telephones in this room. It's nothing now to, for someone to pay. You don't know you're paying that much because you're on a contract or you're making payments. But these phones cost over $1,000. And what are you going to do with that high price phone when it loses its charge? If it loses its charge in 24 hours, you've done spent 1000 bucks on a 24-hour phone What are you going to do? Throw it away? No. You're just going to get it to the charger. That's all it needs. That's all it needs. And friend, there's a much greater price that was paid for you and paid for me than you paid for that phone. You may be in the red tonight. You may be blinking. You may be about to go out. But all you need is a charge. All you need is a charging station. That's what Mizpah is. It's our charging station. It's where we get refired and we go on for God. I believe I'm looking at people that's tired of the enemy chasing you.
and you want to be one of those that are going to leave Mizpah. I was reading today in Nehemiah, don't turn. Nehemiah 10 in verse number 39, the people said, We will not forsake the house of the Lord our God. Wouldn't it be good if we could get a great majority of this congregation tonight to say we will not forsake the house of the Lord our God.